You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. Following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast pace. Good at running back, good at receiver, good at tight end, better defense, elite coaching. Stop telling me the Patriots can't win. Opinionated. I don't do lists. They are worthless. Stop bringing them to me and stop getting invested in them. To the point. It might finally be time to admit I was wrong. The Red Sox are not going to finish fourth in the division. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We certainly are going to need a new intro because Jack was here yesterday. He's not here on Tuesday, so... He changed it back to the one where I said the Red Sox were going to finish fourth. This one says they're not going to finish fourth. I don't know what they're going to do. So we need a new intro, like, by tomorrow. That's, I think, tomorrow or Thursday, we're going to need a new intro because I can't handle this going back and forth thing. So welcome in to the Brady Farkas Show here on this Tuesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Short show today, 40 minutes. We go up until 6:10. Red Sox open up a huge three-game series at Fenway Park with the Tampa Bay Rays. Sox are four games back heading into that series. Eduardo Rodriguez will start the opener for Boston. We'll have, as we always do on Tuesday, former UVM Hoops coach Tom Brennan with us. He'll be here at about 545. You can get in on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. It's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Got a lot to say. Let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Eduardo Rodriguez pitches tonight for Boston against Luis Patino for Tampa. And this, I, I cannot say this any more clearly. Eduardo Rodriguez has so much at stake over these last 50 games. We are in a 50-game sprint, plus the playoffs, and Eduardo Rodriguez has so much at stake. I saw a list last night, and I sent it over to Part-Time Jack, and it was by MLB.com, and it said, nine impending free agents who have a lot riding on the stretch run. And Eduardo Rodriguez's name wasn't on it. And I had to laugh. There's a reason in that intro why I say lists are stupid and worthless. Because this completely missed the point. Eduardo Rodriguez needs to be on that list. Because the amount of money he has riding on this last stretch of the season is unbelievable. Think about this. After 2019, we thought Eduardo Rodriguez, who was a pitcher, who might get a $100-plus million contract. After winning 19 games in 2019 and after finishing sixth in Cy Young voting that year, he was 26 years old. He was on the upswing. We really thought he could be looking at a $100-plus million deal. Last year, he's forced to miss the season because of uh, myocarditis, and this year, he just hasn't been the same. We've all seen that. Yes, he's 8-6, and but... 
he really hasn't pitched like a winner this year. I mean, he hasn't pitched like a guy who's worthy of half of $100 million. Eduardo Rodriguez has an ERA of 5.33. He's gone six or more innings in just eight of 21 starts. And even in this weird 2021 version of baseball where starting pitchers aren't asked to do a whole lot, pitchers who get $100-plus million, they're expected to be able to take the ball and go at least six innings, and Erod just hasn't been able to do that with really any kind of regularity or any kind of consistency. So as it stands right now, what do we really think Eduardo Rodriguez is worth on the open market? He's going to be a free agent after this year. What is he worth? I mean, Garrett Richards signed a one-year $10 million deal. Corey Kluber, coming off injuries, had a one-year $11 million deal. So I think Erod is worth, even at this state, I think he's worth more than those guys. Two years and $25 million? Like, because of his durability... You know, Erod's pitched a lot of innings 2019 and this year. You know, knock on wood, has not missed a start. So durability is going to count for something. So I'd be, you know, I think more years than they got. But two years, 25 million, two years, 30 million. Like a guy that we thought could get 18 to 20 to 25 million dollars a year is going to end up with 12 to 15. I mean, this is a guy who has a ton riding on this last stretch of season and it all starts tonight against the Tampa Bay race because as bad as he's been, Erod can save himself a bunch of money. He can remake himself a bunch of money if he pitches well over these last eight starts or so. And if you don't believe me, look at what one good month in 2018 did for Nathan Nivaldi. Nathan Nivaldi had a really good playoffs and a really gritty playoffs for the Red Sox in 2018, and he netted himself a four-year deal worth nearly $70 million. If Eduardo Rodriguez has a last good eight starts and helps the Sox get to the playoffs and helps them succeed in those playoffs, then he can recoup a lot of value. He'll never get to the $100-plus million we thought. He will never get there, but... If Eduardo Rodriguez pitches well over these last eight starts and refines himself and leads the Sox to the playoffs, then Erod might be looking at a three-year, $60 million deal. He might be looking at four years and 75. And if you think I'm crazy, again, I show you Nathan Evaldi, who turned one good month, October of 2018, one good month into four years and nearly $70 million. Eduardo Rodriguez has... A, has tens of millions of dollars riding on these last 50 games. So it is a complete joke that MajorLeagueBaseball.com didn't put him on their list of nine players who need to succeed in the stretch run to cash in. Erod needs to succeed to cash in, period, at all. This is a massive series for Erod, or a massive start for Erod, rather. It's a massive series for the Red Sox. And, look, the Red Sox have lost eight of ten. So they were just swept by Tampa. So they've got to reverse some trends from recently to succeed. And if Erod's going to make that money that I'm talking about over the stretch run, he's going to have to start reversing some trends because he's 1-3 with an ERA over 5 in his career against Tampa. And he's a career under 500 pitcher in August. Like, something's got to change. Erod's got to have some better success against Tampa and some better success in August if he wants that money and if the Red Sox want the success and want to try to catch Tampa in the division or even at this rate, 
hold on to a playoff spot. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Got a text in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. This one comes in from uh, Jamison. I'm sorry, Jameis, who is over in Montpelier. And he says, Brady, you're right. Well, he says, I don't know if you're right, but he says, Erod has been a colossal disappointment this year. Yeah, he has. And I feel, it feels, I feel bad saying that given what Erod went through last year. Okay. Erod missing the entire season with myocarditis, missing the whole year because of COVID. When everybody said, oh, athletes won't get sick. Oh, athletes can't get COVID. Oh, athletes don't suffer anything. Why are we not playing? Like, Erod was the poster child for proof that athletes could get sick. And I feel bad saying he's been a colossal disappointment, but he's been a colossal disappointment. He's been through a lot. I would have understood if he had an awful spring. I would have understood if he had just an awful April. But there hasn't been a consistent improvement. And that's been the problem. That like right now, this year, this is just who Erod is. If he was bad in April and a little better in May and a little better in June and a little better in July and August, I was like, you know what? He's ready to take off. I'd be more than okay with the trajectory here. But Erod has been bad. He has just simply been bad this year. And the Red Sox have needed him to be good. In the absence of Chris Sale, they've needed him to be good. And they've gotten by with him being below average. Again, because they can hit, or they have been able to hit. They've won games in spite of him. He's 8-6 and six with an ERA over 5-3. Like, that doesn't happen if your offense isn't carrying you. So, good run support has been able to bump up Erod's overall record, but... If Erod were pitching on even an average team or a team with an average record, he would be an under 500 pitcher. See, he's eight and six. That's 14 decisions. He'd probably be five and nine playing on another team, a team that couldn't provide him with the kind of offense that the Red Sox have provided him. It is the Red Sox should never have needed to count on Erod like they did. They ended up overcoming that need because they've been able to win so many games and come from behind so many times, etc. Erod never should have had the pressure on him to carry this rotation. He did, but again, the team has been able to overcome that. And now Erod has pressure on himself for his future. He's not fighting for his baseball life. He'll he'll be on a roster next year, no doubt. He'll he'll and he will get paid. If Garrett Richards can get $10 million, Eduardo Rodriguez will get at least $10 million next year annually. That, that, that is not a concern. But for a guy we thought was going to get 100 mil, if he wants to approach even half of that, he needs to pitch really, really well here over the last eight starts that he's probably going to have and subsequently into the playoffs. All right, it is the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV. We move back into football. Patriots are going to take on the Washington football team coming up on Thursday in the preseason opener. We don't know what the breakdown is going to be at the quarterback position. I don't know if Cam Newton's going to play at all or going to play the whole game. I'm just not sure how Bill Belichick is going to handle it considering there's only three preseason games this year instead of the usual four. I do trust that we'll see Mac Jones. And so there will be a lot of takes that come out after Mac Jones plays as to what his ultimate role should be for this team. And I have come to this conclusion. If the quarterback competition is close through training camp and through the preseason, if it's close, 
if one guy is not way head and shoulders above the other, if it's close, I would make Cam Newton my week one starter. There's a lot of people that say if it's close, play the young guy. That's not me. In a lot of cases, in a lot of sports, I probably would be one of those guys. But here, in football, I'm not. Football is a different sport. The the limited schedule creates an unbelievable sense of urgency in football. And guys don't just, quote, have time to figure it out. If you start Mac Jones week one of the NFL season, and he's not quite ready, and he fumbles his way through things, and they go one and three, your season is essentially, it's it's pretty darn close to over. The experience that Cam Newton has matters here. And if it's close, the experience that Cam Newton has puts it over the goal line for me in Cam's favor. Okay? The Patriots have goals to make the playoffs. They can't afford to start one and three with Mac Jones at the helm. Like in baseball, you can start a rookie out of spring training and and he can be awful on the mound through April. It's not the end of the world. You got 130 games left. You can start a rookie at second base who's not quite ready and they can hit 140 for you in April. There's 130 games left. You can let a basketball rookie figure it out because if after October, there's 74 games left. You don't have that in football. You have a real sense of urgency, and you have to perform right away. The Patriots spent a gazillion dollars this offseason. They did that for one reason. They want to win again. They don't want to find things out. They don't want to feel their way through, and they don't want to start one and three. Because if you start one and three in the NFL, your season is close to over. Maybe it'll be a little bit different with a 17-game schedule versus 16, but one and three is pretty darn close to a death sentence. You need to hit the ground running, and Cam Newton allows you that best opportunity to do so. If the Patriots were a woe-begone team with no expectations, I would say start the kid. Okay, The Jets, they should start Zach Wilson no matter what. The, the Jaguars, they should start Trevor Lawrence no matter what. Those teams have no expectations. You could have made the case last year the Dolphins could have started Tua instead of Fitzpatrick because I didn't have expectations for him, but evidently other people did. If your team has no expectations, go with the rookie and let him feel his way through it. Joe Burrow last year with the Bengals. It's too bad he got hurt because by the end of the season, he very well may have been excellent because he was playing really good. But when teams have playoff aspirations, they generally want to go with the guy that gives them the best chance to get going early. It's why Tyrod Taylor started last year for the Chargers and not Justin Herbert. It's why Andy Dalton is starting this year for the Bears and not Justin Fields. And it's why Cam Newton should start for the Patriots and not Mac Jones. You need to hit the ground running if you want to achieve your goals. You paid a bunch of money to be back in the playoffs this year. Cam Newton gives you the start you need to get there. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Our guy Tom Brennan is going to join us on the other side of this commercial break. TB, the uh, UVM Catamounts are in a preseason tournament. It's a pretty good one, actually. We'll talk about the field a little bit and uh, what the preseason tournaments could do for the green and gold. TB is next with us here on WDEV.
The 15th annual Big Dog Daddy Year-End Clearance Sale is on at Lamoille Valley Ford. Our customers' favorite sale is back and better than ever. Tell them, kid. Thanks, Dan. Folks, at Lamoille Valley Ford, we have one of the largest inventories of new Fords in New England, and we're ready to make a great deal for you. While many dealers have little or no inventory, we're stocked up, and take it from me, you're not going to have to settle for an ugly vehicle at Lamoille Valley Ford. That's because our entire lot is packed with new Ford cars, trucks, and SUVs in almost every available color and package. And with the new models on the way, we have no choice but to sell down these 2021s, and that means at Lamoille Valley Ford, we're making deals. Plus, if you're looking for a clean, late-model vehicle, look no further than Lamoille Valley Ford because we have the largest selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs in our history ready for immediate delivery. The bottom line is Dan and I have instructed our team to do whatever it takes to make deals and earn your business. Woo! So drive route 14, 15, or 16 to Hardwick and the Big Dog Daddy year-end clearance sale happening now at Lamoille Valley Ford. Mark your calendars for the last mile event, August 14th, 20th, and 21st. I get to hear their heartfelt expressions of gratitude and I wish I could share each one with you so you could appreciate the impact your efforts have on real people's lives. On Saturday the 14th, you can bike on a road or gravel route. On Friday the 20th, run to 5K or walk through the Randolph Village to support Gifford's end-of-life care services. I've actually been with families that have had to use the garden room and the palliative care, and it's heartwarming that it's available. On Saturday the 21st, ride 80 miles on your motorcycle through gorgeous central Vermont for those on life's last mile. It makes our community closer, and it's just a privilege to be here in this community that offers such a wonderful Celebrate life on Saturday, August 14th, Friday, August 20th, and Saturday, August 21st by registering now online at lastmileride.com. Sponsored by Gary and Mary West Foundation and Nagley and Chase Construction Company. Did 2020 keep you tossing and turning all night? Do you lie awake at night wondering, whatever happened to those murder hornets? Does your loved one complain that your mattress is lumpier than lousy pancake batter? Well, sounds like you need the kind of good night's sleep that only a Simmons Beautyrest mattress from Hannon Home Center can provide. Our extensive collection of Simmons Beautyrest Black and Harmony Lux are in stock now. At Hannon Home Center, we are safely open for you to try them out for yourself so you can be sleeping in Simmons Beautyrest style in no time. We're located on Mason Drive in Waterbury and at HannonHomeCenter.com. So come on down and see all of our Simmons Beautyrest sleep opportunities at Hannon Home Center and leave the restless nights and murder. Murder Hornets behind. Let us take you home to Hennon Home Center, Hennon Home Center. We've got everything you'd ever want. Hennon Home Center, Hennon Home Center. Family run and don't in Central Vermont. Smart shoppers, big sticks and stuff. We carry Apex tools like Nicholson files and Crescent adjustable wrenches. The original and still the best. We are your headquarters for all your projects around your home, inside and out. With our huge selection of Apex tools, we have it all. Visit us today in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby, or online anytime at sticksandstuff.com. Sticks and stuff and Swanton lumber, we've got the right stuff for you. He led Vermont to its greatest win in program history. He's the architect of the Catamounts basketball program. Vance Jennings, UVM. And he's with us now. It's time for our weekly talk with former UVM basketball coach Tom Brennan on the Brady Farkas Show. On WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. 
Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Tom Brennan is with us now. And TB, appreciate you being with us, the Catamount Hoops legend. And I got to give you credit. You're the prognosticator. You called it. Team USA would win the gold medal despite losing to France in the opening round of the Olympics. And, uh, hey, Kevin Durant, that guy's pretty good, huh? Carrying the team in the gold medal final. He, he takes my breath away how good he is. Uh, and he, it was so nice of him because he has – you know, the reputation with the burner phones and all that kind of stuff and being a little bit of a baby and self-absorbed and whatnot. But uh, he was he just put that team on his back, man. It was so neat to watch. Yeah, Durant is great. I mean, when you were coaching, it was it was like taboo to have a big guy who wanted to play on the perimeter. I mean, at what point did you start to see it shift where big guys could play like guards? Well... Uh, it, it, at our level, it, it shifted slowly. Um, uh, but I remember we had a big kid from Albany. Uh, he didn't stay. He was there my last year, maybe, yeah, last year. And his name was Duel, Josh Duel. He was yeah. big and heavy and, and you know, and he, he just – but he could really play. He just knew how to pass. And and uh, and we ran a lot of stuff uh, with, with a high post and a low post, you know. So uh, all our post guys had the opportunity – to get the ball at 15 feet and maybe do mid-range things. You know, not many did. I mean, really, the the, eff, the effort was to get it low. That, that's what we wanted to try to do. But Cobbenrath was really the, be, the the first guy that I ever had uh, that was legitimately, you know, 6'9", 6'10", whatever he was, that could stick uh, stick a jumper. And I remember, I remember vividly, we were, we were up at Maine. We were playing a Maine regular season game. And, uh, and we were... He was a junior. It would have been our. We were playing for our second championship, and uh, and he he stepped out at Maine and, and just made a three. And I thought, oh man, I don't, you know, I I didn't, I didn't see that coming. And, uh, and then he just got comfortable and he kept getting better. Uh, but uh, I, I still, in my heart, I'm an old man. You know that. I just still believe, like it should start inside out. Everything. If you can get the ball on the block. Uh, things are going to go better for you than if not. That's how I feel. That being said, uh, it's unbelievable to watch uh, 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 Dokic or whatever his name is from Dallas. And, of course, the the big kid from Denver is tremendous. And uh, the whole thing has changed dramatically. But uh, you still, if if you've got a bucket on a block, I think think you're in good shape to start your, your offense. Yeah, you, you combine those two, Jokic and Doncic. That's so, what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Jokic <laughs> is from Denver, Doncic is from Dallas. How can a guy get a $207 million contract and I not know his name? I well, I mean, Doncic got – I'm, I'm losing my way. Yeah, Doncic certainly got paid for yeah, sure. Um, and, and you know what? Let's talk about him just for a second. What do you – I mean, he's got to be a hard guy to play with, No. Oh man, I don't know. I think I, I think Doncic is a pretty selfless superstar in terms of being able to give the ball up. I mean, he had 18 assists in the semifinal game for Serbia against France in a 40-minute game. Like, I just think he makes the smart basketball play. And if the smart basketball play calls for him to score 37, he could do it. If the smart basketball play calls for him to dish out 20 assists, he can do that too. I think he is my favorite player to watch right now in the NBA. Well, I'm going to watch him more closely next year for sure. Um, but uh, it's just it's amazing when uh, when a lot of the times a guy like him 
will bring the ball up the floor, or a guy like uh, Giannis will bring the ball up the floor, and just they decide everything that you know that's going to happen there. Now, as you say, that kid's a great passer from Dallas, no doubt about it. Uh, but it's just I don't know, guys. That, that and eighteen assists, boom, that's it. I stand corrected. But it, it just it seems to me that there's when I watch them play, and I'm I'm, I'm I think I'm wrong on this, but. You know, just a lot of standing around because he had the ball all the time. And, and I wondered how guys reacted to that. But when you tell me 18 assists, then uh, that answers my question completely. Former UVM hoops coach Tom Brennan with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. TV, because we got the Red Sox game coming up, I don't have you for quite as long today. So we'll kind of get into a couple other things quickly. Okay. Uh, I saw Steph Smith, former UVM hoops player. He was on social media kind of doing an introduction to himself. Uh, for the St. John's faithful, how much are we going to miss him in Catabound Country? Ah, uh, man, I I don't know. We I I think we'll miss him. I do because uh, he was an all league player for goodness sakes, and as a junior, he was really an all star. I mean, there was no doubt about it. He didn't have as good a senior year, uh, but uh, I, I certainly think we'll miss him. Now that being said, uh, you know, with Benny coming back, we, we got cards. I think, and uh, the couple of kids that uh, I saw from. Uh, uh, the Gibson kid from Western Carolina, yeah. good player, and uh, and um, the two the kids that I don't know the names of, the kid from Montreal, big, strong guard, about six four, six five. He is tough as nails. And, and then we got a kid from Joplin, Missouri, who was in prep school last year, another real good player. So I, I think, and, and uh, we've had a Duncan. You got to have a Duncan forever. And yeah, maybe you don't have a Duncan, it don't count. And uh, so, and he's good. Robert Duncan, Duncan is a good player. So. I'm just excited. I, my boy, I am so excited just to get back there and sit there and watch him play. And, uh, you know, I just I can't wait for that. UVM put back in the uh, Gulf Coast showcase that got announced yesterday, I believe. I don't even remember who all the teams are right now I'll have to check when this interview is over. But the back in the Gulf Coast showcase, what do those preseason tournaments do for a program? They, they do a lot uh, because – uh, it's a it's a kind of a measuring stick. I think I think Rutgers is one of oh, no I'm sorry Fordham. Uh, I heard a couple teams last night, but anyway, uh, I know they played down there. Did we win that? Did we win that the last time we were there? I believe we I believe we we came, came in like... second, okay. didn't we? And that's when we lost to Houston at the buzzer. Oh, there there you go there you go. All right. So yes, and and with the quality, uh, and I think there are some quality teams in there certainly. Good mid-major teams, uh, and and what it does, it, it just measures you against you know people from outside of where you are. And um, unfortunately, we have we have reached the point where um, uh, three days in March are what counts, and not too much more. And uh, but when you're going, you know, you got to play games, and you want to, you know, you want to be as good as you can be, and you want to get better. Uh, so so that those things are great. I I love that they do that, and. Uh, uh, and that's a good place to have it. I mean, there's a lot of Vermont people down there. They, they play it where uh, Florida Gulf Coast plays, right? Yeah, it's down in Florida. It's Rice and Evansville, Vermont go. and Oakland, Oakland, Akron and Fordham, Appalachian State and Delaware. There you go. All right. So, so are we the best team in that? Uh, I would say... I would say Oakland is very good as well. That's uh, and Rice is certainly from a bigger conference, not right. as good as Vermont, but they are from a bigger conference, so they might have some more athletes. I think Rice is in Conference USA these days, which is where Houston was, I believe, when Houston beat Vermont a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. 
Um, well, we'll, we'll show up. I think uh, I think we're going to have a good team. I'm excited. We got, let's see here, about two and a half, three weeks until school starts. At what point does kind of basketball activity ramp up? I mean, obviously official practices don't start until October, but the minute guys get on campus, are there organized team activities usually? Yeah, yeah, there are. And uh, I, I think, uh, matter of fact, I, I talked to John last night, and uh, I think they're going home. There's, they're finishing classes or whatever. They're going home for two or three weeks now. Uh, but when they come back, they will they will start right up with, you know, running and lifting and, and uh, you know, shooting and all those things. And uh, basically, once they come back, uh, it'll be full time. TB, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the Travis Roy Wiffleball Tournament is coming up this weekend. It's going to be the final Travis Roy Wiffleball Tournament put on by the foundation. They're trying to raise one million dollars. I'm curious if you've ever been to that tournament and what maybe the most special charity event you've ever been to is. Uh, I, I have never been, you know, what happened, Brady, to be, to be totally honest, uh, with it, uh, Quorum and I back in the day, um, we got asked to do a lot of things and, uh, and, uh, oftentimes we would just split them up. Like you take that, I'll take that. You go here, I'll go there. Now, back then the Travis Roy, it wasn't, well, no, nobody knew. I mean, it was terrible tragedy and, and yeah, okay, we'll do it. And they'll raise a couple bucks and it'll be nice, you know? And nobody knew that it would become what it has become. And, and so I kind of just stayed away because it was kind of Corm's baby, you know, he had yeah. handled it. And so, so no, uh, uh, matter of fact, Bruce Bosley just called, uh, and asked me to go this weekend and, and I'm, I'm really giving it a lot of thought, but I just, I really feel kind of funny because I haven't been there. And, uh, and and it, it just grew and uh, certainly without me and uh, so so I just kept letting Corm do that and that was his thing and he he kind of he in the beginning of it he was ran it and did a lot of did a lot of things for it and now um, so now uh, short answer no I have not been there uh, but I may go uh, I may go this week if I don't if I don't feel too foolish well I'm looking forward to it I am going to go this weekend you playing? so I'm not playing. I have played in the past. I've thrown home run derby in the past. So uh, uh, Bob Ryan, your buddy, came on with me live from there once and uh, dropped an F-bomb live on the air with us. <laughs> so Bob Ryan, by the way, I know he. I know you're tight with him. He was telling great stories about the uh, 80s Celtics and uh, was dropping F-bombs. But his stories, I could have listened for days. <laughs> he's, he's the best. I'm going to – I'm going to a, a Red Sox game with him. He, my grandson, and uh, me are going to go 22nd against Texas. I uh, can't wait. It'll be four hours of great stories. Oh uh, well, you know what? We're going to try to get Bob on later this week. I think so. Good, we're going to have good. to do He's that. A very so very generous guy with his time, uh, and he, he is an, an incredible storyteller. Well, TB, <laughs> we appreciate you as always, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, my boy. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure for me. It was so good, in fact, I completely misread the time, and uh, we're supposed to be in the CBS News update. So here's what's going to happen. We will step aside. We will join the CBS News update in progress. We'll come back and talk about something that TB said about the Olympics that's triggered my mind. Was it really a good thing for Jason Tatum to play in Tokyo? Marinate on that. We'll get to that next. Welcome back in Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Thanks to Tom Brennan for stopping by. That was the worst executed tease and end of a segment maybe in the history of my radio career. So misread the clock into the CBS News update. Bad tease and you're like, wow. 
Okay. Reset. We got six minutes till Red Sox baseball. We'll give you the lineups here momentarily before Sox and Rays. But I do want to get to this. I was talking with TB about the Olympics. And we talked a lot about Kevin Durant and about Luca And Travis up in Essex tells me, Brady, you're right. Luca is absolute must-watch television. And, and I agree. I love watching Luka Doncic play. Kyrie was probably my was definitely my favorite player to watch for a while. It is now Luka Doncic. But I was thinking about the Olympics as it relates to the Celtics and Jason Tatum. The Olympics will absolutely change Tatum. The question is, what will the impact be on Boston? Because there's going to be a couple of potential things that happen here. Okay, And some of them are good and some of them are bad. In a basketball sense only, the Olympic experience will be good for Tatum and therefore good for the Celtics. I think we all have to agree on that. Tatum got to see up close what it's like to play in big games, close out big games, and he got to see what the best players in the world do in the biggest moments, i.e. playing alongside Kevin Durant. And by the way, he also scored, Tatum did 19 points in the gold medal game, so he succeeded in a major closeout championship scenario. It's something he didn't do in college. It's something he hasn't had to do yet in the NBA. That's valuable for a young player. And we think about Tatum now as a multi-year veteran, but he's still under 25 years old. He's a young player. So to see that, live that, experience, and play that up close, it does matter. Okay. He also got to see the value of playing and seeing championship basketball, team basketball, winning basketball. You look at what a player like Drew Holiday did, the importance of defense, sacrifice. Chris Middleton, who just won an NBA championship and didn't play a whole lot on Team USA. Jason Tatum got to see the attitudes that make up a championship caliber program. That matters. It's all good. But you have to wonder if a negative impact may be coming as it relates to his mind and attitude as it relates to the Celtics. And what I mean is this. Jason Tatum just got a taste of winning and playing with superstars. So don't think that he's above holding the Celtics' feet to the fire now. Okay, He's got a taste of the high life, and now he's going to want more. So what does that mean? How does that manifest itself? Does that mean that Tatum starts dictating to Brad Stevens in the front office that he wants more stars to be his teammates, and he starts, you know, causing issues for the front office. We've seen this with Kawhi Leonard. We've seen this with Anthony Davis. Stars who have teams built around them, they start dictating things, and if they don't get what they want, they leave. Is Jason Tatum going to start doing that? Does Jason Tatum now, is he so uplifted and motivated by winning the gold medal that when he sees Brad Stevens' plan of kind of sitting idly by and waiting for next year, how frustrated does he get? Hey, buddy, I just won. I'm headed into the prime of my career. I don't want to sit for a year here and just kind of watch the league pass us by. How frustrated does Jason Tatum get? And how does that frustration potentially manifest itself? Okay. And like, you think that Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant weren't in Tatum's ear about their experiences? Like, on one hand, you have Lillard, Lillard there talking about the perils of staying in a place a little too long. And on the other hand, you got Durant there talking about the benefit of leaving a place and going on to win a championship elsewhere. Those conversations, I am sure, were had. And the question is, how will they resonate with Jason Tatum? 
because they're going to land with him. But how are they going to impact the Celtics? Does Lillard say, hey, I wish I had gotten out of Portland earlier, and Tatum's antennas goes up like, hey, I can't let that be me. Does Durant say, I'm glad I got out of, got out of OKC, the grass was greener on the other side, now Tatum wants to leave. All of that could matter. There will be an impact from Jason Tatum going to the Olympics. I just don't know yet how it's going to affect the Celtics. Basketball-wise, it's going to be good. Good for the on-court performance of Jason Tatum. But mentally, I'm not so sure. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox Rays coming up 60 seconds from now, a huge three-game series at Fenway Park. Let's get to the lineups. The Rays are in first place. They're four games up on the Bo Sox, 68 and 44. The Sox, 65 and 49. Luis Patino on the mound for Tampa. He's two and three. Erod on the mound for Boston, eight and six with a 5-3-3. Randy Arozarena leads off and right for Tampa. Nelson Cruz, the DH. Wander Franco is at short. Yandy Diaz at third. Austin Meadows in left. Jordan Luplos at first. Manuel Margot's in center. Brandon Lau's at second. And Mike Zanino is the catcher. For the Sox, Kike Hernandez is at second. Jaron Duran's in center. Xander Bogarts is at short. Rafael Devers at third. J.D. Martinez in left. Kevin Ploiecki is in the lineup as the DH. Hunter Renfro in right. Christian Vasquez, the catcher. And Franchi Cordero is at first. Thanks to Tom Brennan for joining us. The full show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We'll be back at it again tomorrow to recap this ever-crucial Game 1. Go Sox!